Welcome to uh, what we've called Slow Down Sundays. Um, and uh, I've been excited uh, about these evenings. Um, Kazi and I have, um, are going to look at probably uh, a number of uh, Sundays through uh, until towards the end of August. Um, at, I guess some of the principles that we that we began to learn uh, about around this time last year, when we'd been released wonderfully, had the privilege of being released into a sabbatical, a, a three-month period, uh, where I was released from my work and Kaz was able to be released from hers uh, as well. Um, so that we could be refreshed, recharged. Um, it, it was a it was a period that, that should have changed everything. What we discovered during that time is that it's hard to change the habits of a lifetime. Um, and and so we, we've just been reflecting. Uh, we've not really talked. We talked a little about it when we came back, but we've not really uh, talked much publicly about it. Although there's been a lot going on behind the scenes in our own lives and how we're trying to function. But just wanted to process with 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 our local church family, perhaps on our evenings through the summer. What does it mean in our 21st century hectic lives? And as lockdown begins to loosen, we're all feeling the pressure, aren't we, suddenly? If, oh, yeah, life is kind of going back to normal and there's more and more pulls on our time and our energy suddenly already by the, the day. What does it mean to live with some principles um, that, that God has built into us as human beings in relationship with him that, that mean that perhaps we might be less busy and more fruitful. Uh, so these slow down Sunday nights, we're just going to do some simple reflective teaching uh, from the Bible, maybe model a little exercise or two together around some beautiful worship like we've already begun with tonight. We're going to look at a couple of sessions on, on I guess, what we call living without limits. That's what I'm starting with tonight with Kazi. And then we're going to look at some things like silence and solitude. Yeah, you heard me right. Coming from me, an external process of silence and solitude. Um, simplicity, um, slowness, slowing down, um, and, and Sabbath. Um, so there's some of the things we're going to look at, just a little heads up. But for this evening, if you've got your Bible um, with you, um, have you look at that on, online or in an old-fashioned paper one like me, um, just turn with me to Matthew 11. Um, these beautiful words of Jesus. It's an invitation for us. These words may be so familiar to you. You may be one of those like me that learned them in Sunday school or maybe you're you're watching this online uh, tonight and you think well I've never heard those words this morning they are devastatingly powerful words they are revolutionary words if only we'll hear them again from Jesus I'm just going to read a couple of verses but feel free in your own time to read around uh, this passage Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 Jesus says and he's saying this to his disciples people like you and me people who are followers of Jesus. Some of us here I can see on the, on the Zoom call and on Facebook are, some of us are, are, are long-standing, experienced followers of Jesus. We've been at this a long time. To us and to those of you who maybe don't yet know Jesus, or perhaps those who have taken their first baby steps, to all of us Jesus extends this invitation, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Can I just hear you say, I will, wherever you are this evening? I won't hear you, but you can say it anyway. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wow. Jesus says, I will give you rest. And he says, you will find rest. <laughs> for my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. Lord Jesus, just in these next few minutes, would you really connect with our hearts? Lord, we're still learning some stuff that's taken a lifetime, but we just invite you with our friends here tonight um, to really begin to do a deep work in our hearts of discipleship. Any undoing you want to do, Lord, we've just been singing, you're the God that will break down any wall. You're the God that will dismantle any lie, uh, any way of thinking that has just got us trapped in, in ways of living and operating that are not life-giving and fruitful. And we just invite you, Holy Spirit, tonight to be at work in our hearts and to speak to us through this simple teaching. Amen. Amen. Wow. So, um, yeah, we had three months to get refreshed. We realized on reflection it was three months to try and undo what I now realize is a quarter of a century of leadership where I cultivated an addiction to busyness. Uh, I know you're saying to yourselves, a quarter of a century? Yeah, I, I don't look that old. I know that. Uh, but that, that's just the truth of it. Um, and then not only did that begin to happen again in the sabbatical, that, that kind of rewiring, but, but then learning to try to live this, this new pattern that we were discovering again, back as we re-entered civilized society last September time, back into normal life, back into busyness and the demands of family life and work life and other people's expectations and demands. And rarely are those things bad. They're all good expectations and demands, but they begin to come on you again like a wrong yoke, like a heavy yoke, the sort of which Jesus invites us to have a rest from and to learn differently around. And so it feels in some ways like this shutdown period that began back in March has been a, a kind of similar disorientating experience for many of us. Um, we found again some of the things we felt during the sabbatical have, have come up again in our hearts during the lockdown. Why is that? Well, all the usual shape and pattern of our lives for a while was removed from us for many of us. Um, all of our rhythms, uh, many of our relationships were we were cut off in some way from each other. Um, some of our go-to comforts uh, in, in a former life, Kaz and I, with our Cine World Pass, used to go see a movie once a week just to escape the world. I haven't been for months now. That was a go-to comfort for us. These, they, they may be simple things. They may be pretty light and frivolous things, but we were cut off from so many of the things that help us just find comfort, find rest. Um, and, and all our securities, have been challenged. Maybe your nest egg, maybe you thought I've got a job for life and suddenly um, something happens that, that shakes everything. And yet Jesus speaks to us here in this passage about an easy yoke and a light burden. He invites us into a, into a walk, into a relationship. We, we went for a walk with some friends this afternoon, Dave and Ali Swan, if you know them. The wonderful thing, we didn't invite them for a walk because we want to do some fitness with them. Uh, we've invited them for a walk because walks are about relationship, aren't they? You walk and talk. You hear each other's hearts. And Jesus invites us to walk with him, just like he walked with Adam and Eve in the beginning in the garden. It was about relationship. Um, and he invites us in, in to walk in step with him in a relationship which isn't wearying and debilitating. And so he invites us to learn again or relearn some patterns and rhythms of life that are hinted at in this passage that are sustainable and adaptable whether we're in times of pressure like we've been or in times of rest and plenty 
And it's true for all disciples because the invitation in this passage is to all disciples. These rhythms bring our hearts into line with the one who invites us to walk with him, to learn. He says, learn from me. Well, don't you want to learn as you walk with Jesus? We get to put down our, our, our heavy yoke, our burdens of, of, of wrong dependency that we may struggle under from day to day and month to month. We may even be happy to hide behind. He invites us to walk in step elsewhere. The New Testament writers speak about walking in step with the Holy Spirit or in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Other imagery that would be similar would be John 15, where Jesus speaks about he, he, him, him being the vine and, and us being the branches. Um, his life-bearing fruit coming through us, fruit which lasts, um, and unfruitful parts of our lives being pruned and cut away. The, the truth is that for, for me and for many of us, most of us aren't so good at living the kind of reflective life where we stop and we listen and we heed the words of Jesus. We don't often take time to respond in the kinds of ways that he invites us to. We just continue on rushing along, accumulating all the busyness to our lives uh, as disciples and, and just find like a bit of grit in your shoe. When I'm on a long run, if I, early on, if I head down the trails into Tilgate on one of my long runs and early on you get a stone in your shoe, it's the most annoying thing because I, I, I'm going to slow my time down if I have to stop my watch and take my shoe off and shake it out. But to run a long run with a bit of grit in your shoe is the most annoying thing in the world. In fact, you're going to end up getting a, an injury and, and a blister. Most of us seem to go through our lives that way. We just grit. The gears on my bike at the moment, they won't quite drop into place. Every ride I go on, they're, they're just grinding and, and clicking. Is your life feeling like that in some ways right now? And yet here Jesus gives us a life we can dream of. He promises this kind of newness of life. He speaks these words to disciples at the time whose lives compared to ours look really, really hard. Um, and, and yet he speaks of abundant life, life in all its fullness, life with him, these rhythms of life with Jesus. That I don't know about you, but they awaken something in my heart. I want to grow. I want to see the kingdom of God shaping my life and my heart in this way. I want to see it impacting my relationships and friendships and family life and impacting the kind of fears I walk around with uh, hiding behind and impacting the world around me. What I found last summer, and I'm still finding in my life, is that new patterns are really hard to form. Um, old habits are really easy to hold on to. Um, you just get stuck in a, in a rut with those, don't you, really easily. Um, but but it, it took me weeks over last summer, even just to break out of some ruts, never mind to begin to form some new habits. As I say, 25 years of, uh, of running at things sometimes in the wrong way is hard to shake out of. Um, it, it, for me, it, it was at a point where it took a total life change for a while. You know, absence from work, um, absence for, for me from all the, the demands of ministry and people. It took some serious lying down on a beach on a sun lounger. That, that was a lot of work before the Lord. Uh, I had to live with some monks for a while in community. I ran more miles each week than I've ever run in my life. It was, there was a, a kind of physical fitness part of it for me. Uh, as well. And then I, I found I was able to reestablish um, and refresh uh, life-giving relationships, family, husband, wife, children, with, with my sisters. Um, we felt like there was space as we be began to lift off 
some of the demands for, I, I guess, prophetic reawakening, what we described of, as a prophetic defibrillation, going to see one or two people that just put the prophetic word on us and awoke our hearts again with a, with a shock. Uh, I nearly knocked the laptop off the stand there. Um, it was a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual reset. I think Jesus is speaking about all those things when he invites us to come after him as his disciples. Uh, and that sabbatical really only started the process for us. I'm, I'm seeing it as a kind of what, I, what I'm now thinking of as a second half process. Next summer, um, 2021, it'll be 25 years since we trekked up north with a three-month-old baby to plant our first church with some good friends, um, two families, a dog and a three-month-old baby. 25 years. We've learned some really, really good things, some wonderful things we're grateful to God for over that time. But I've also learned that I've spent a lot of that time running on adrenaline and developing habits and patterns in life that are just not sustainable for me. And if it's taken 25 years for me to get there, I'm wondering whether I'm now going to spend the next 25 years, the second half, maybe growing into some of the true fruitfulness in God and in life and in relationships that Jesus speaks about here. I think it was the German Euro trash band called Snap in 1992. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, somebody who sang. Do you remember Rhythm is a Dancer? Yeah, yeah some of you got that. Yeah, Josh is there. Rhythm is a dancer. What is a rhythm that Jesus invites us into here? Rhythm is lit it's literally a beat that is consistent. It sets the pattern that I build the rest of the song or the movement around. The other instruments come in around it. It underpins with consistency. I guess for me, the one rhythm, I'm so grateful to my mum and dad, actually, the one rhythm I've been consistent in uh, over my life since my teenage years was, was just getting up in the morning, to read my Bible, to worship, to pray. Um, it's a spiritual discipline that's been like, I guess, like the kind of kick drum beat that's just kept my life on track. It's probably been my lifesaver, really. It's covered up a whole load of other areas of my life where I've lived as though the rhythm is shooting all over the place, like some avant-garde jazz. Um, I'm not talking about covering up bad things. I'm not talking about sin, but I'm talking about my time, my focus, saying yes to all the wrong things never learning to say no to anything, always on the go, struggling to focus on the main thing because so much else needs attention. Um, driven with what I like to think is a kingdom ambition and there's some real kingdom ambition there, but there's some ego ambition there as well. And just seeing it overspill affecting my marriage, family life, children, relationships, friendships, living as though there are no limits. Um, in, in my capacity in these ways. Rightly, with our, with our money, we, we learn, you know, you get taught at school and uh, now when you're young, don't you, that, that um, about financial budgeting, um, we, you don't want to overspend, you want to leave a little buffer, you can't live life off an overdraft. But so many of us, and me included, have been overdrawn in debt that we can't climb out of in terms of our energy um, and our capacity. And it, for me, it led to a loss of joy, it led to pain in relationships, it led at times to a desire to hide away. And then, of course, you're in that zone where you think, God, I, I just want some comfort. I just want some rest. You begin to idolize rest and, uh, and comfort. It'll look different for different people. But like any kind of comfort, it's like junk food, isn't it? When you're starving, you think, I'd rather have a Mackey D's burger than wait to cook a proper healthy meal that would be far more nutritional for me. And so we, we just fill up on, on junk addiction comfort food the easy stuff 
quick comfort. When Jesus calls us to him, he's the comforter. For me, oh man, finishing a late night meeting, coming back and, and just watching TV till it's too late and then feeling so tired the next day or staying up to the early hours of the morning, reading some Scandi crime novel, um, living for the next day off. Maybe for you it's holidays, maybe it's sex, maybe it's shopping. You can fill in the blanks for yourself, but the cycle goes around and around and we, we crave rest and comfort, but we never find the comfort we really need and the rest we really need because we're not coming to the one who says, come to me and I'll give you rest for your souls. And this living without limits ends up with the very opposite of the kind of light and easy yoke and burden that comes from a dependency and a simple rhythm and pattern with Jesus. Burnout is the result in the end. It's a rhythm you can't keep up, a rhythm you can't dance to. It's, uh, this didn't happen tonight in Mecca, but it's, it's like when the worship leader starts a song too fast and in too high a key and it's just knowing, hey, the guy better sort it out before we get to the chorus or else there'll be absolute <laughs> carnage. Um, it's a bit like that sometimes. Here I am, a, a Christian leader. Uh, at times, maybe even looking like I might know what I'm doing on the outside. And yet, apart from my love for Jesus and my family, sometimes struggling to keep up in almost every other area of life. And yet, here's Jesus, Matthew 11, still smiling, still inviting me to come to him. Are you ready to come to me yet? He says. I'm promising true rest for your soul. All that wearying and destructive life you've been chasing in the wrong places. Come and rest with me in that deep inner place. Rest for your soul, he says. That, what, what is my soul? I don't know. It's that deep inner man, inner woman kind of place. Um, will you look to me where you're weary and burdened for, as your source and your center, your true comfort, your true hope, your true life? Will you learn from me again? So we're just asking the question this summer about the, the simple, sustainable rhythms of discipleship, of walking in step with Jesus. Am I just speaking to myself still or is anyone else having a little wave with me tonight? One or two. Okay, that's cool. That's fine. I'll keep going. We're not, I'm not talking about just bolting on a, a kind of quiet time, a Bible study to an already crazy life. But I am asking the question, will we open up our hearts again to a, a daily pattern and rhythm that Jesus invites us into your, your life will look different to mine your calls different to mine but all of us need to hear heed this invitation of jesus to his disciples and welcome his redrawing of the limits around our lives um however long that takes as we work with him kazi come and help us so at the start of last year we were actually drawn to a particular writer. He was new to us and his wife also writes alongside him. And a friend of Steve actually, doesn't know him all that well, gave uh, Steve a book and he said, you need to go through this um, with your wife. And so he took the book, thank you very much. And then in the following week, I was with a lady and she said, you need to look at Pete and Jerry Schizzaro and uh, and have a look at what they're writing about at the moment and so as we headed into our time off we did we we picked up some of their books and um, i was blown away initially by by one book that uh, jerry had written that the wife um, but we came up upon this book here let me put it there well done good work okay so it's called emotionally 
healthy spirituality day by day this one there's a glare i don't there you go and it's a 40-day journal with the daily office and i i just want to to share it with you um i i don't usually read introductions i um i always skip that bit (laughs) but actually this introduction is really helpful so let me just read a portion of it to you so the purpose of this book is to introduce you to a revolutionary spiritual discipline called the daily office when crafted to fit our unique personalities temperaments life situations and vocations it offers an anchor powerful enough to slow us down amid the unceasing demands of our lives the daily office differs from what we label today as quiet time or devotion. Quiet time and devotions normally take place once a day in the mornings and emphasize getting filled up for the day or interceding for the needs around me. The daily office normally takes place twice a day and is not so much a turning to God to get something. It's about being with God, about communion with him. Isn't that lovely? I really like that. Being with him, communing with him. The goal of the daily office, as with a quiet time, is to pay attention to God throughout the entire day while I'm active. This is the great challenge for all of us, both the enormous pressure of the world and the demonic powers behind it and our own stubborn self-wills make it easy to live most of our waking hours without any consistent awareness of God's presence. That's so true, isn't it? We get so caught up just with life, not necessarily bad things. Wow. The daily office comes from the Latin word opus or work. For the early church, the daily office was always the work of God. Nothing was to interfere with that priority. King David, 3,000 years ago, understood this. He practiced set times of prayer seven times a day. Daniel prayed three times a day. Devout Jews in Jesus' time prayed at fixed hours, morning, afternoon and evening. These set times of prayer were one of the Israelites' great treasures, providing a way to keep their lives centred on the invitation to love God with all their hearts, minds, soul and strength. Even after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples continued to pray at certain hours of the day. Now, all these people realized that stopping to be with God by means of the daily office was the key to creating a continual and easy familiarity with God's presence for the rest of the day. Wow. I mean, just reading that, I think, wow, to have an easy familiarity with God. Isn't that lovely? I just think they're just beautiful words and something that I wanted, something that Steve wanted. We craved this together. And so we went through this book um, together. This one in particular, it's doing quite well, actually, considering the structure of the book is, is looking quite tidy. But it's been all over the place with us last summer, in and out of backpacks and all sorts. 
So it, it takes us through um, some times with Jesus, starting with silence. As Steve said, he's not always very good at silence, but actually, stop sniggering you two. <laughs> actually, silence for all of us is really hard. So even sitting in a quiet place, you realize actually our minds are so busy. It doesn't take long for my mind to suddenly drift onto whether it be a job that I've got to do or I suddenly burst into conversation in my head with someone. It's a really difficult thing, but starting with silence, centering ourselves on Jesus. And then it, it simply takes us through some scriptures and, and things. So if you're happy, I'm actually going to do one together. Okay. So it starts... Um, with silence and stillness and, and it asks for two minutes but you know I'm going to carry on I'm going to move on into the scripture reading and it, this is taken from John 7 verses 2 to 8 but when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near Jesus's brothers said to him leave Galilee and go to Judea, Judea so that your disciples there may see your works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not yet going up to this festi festival because my time has not yet fully come. So Jesus moved slowly, not striving or rushing. He patiently waited through his adolescent and young adult years to reveal himself as the Messiah. Even then he did not rush to be recognized. He waited patiently for his father's timing, doing his short ministry. Why then is it that we hate slow when God appears to delight in it? Eugene Peters, Peterson sorry, offers us at least two reasons. I am busy because I am vain. I want to appear important, significant. What better way than to be busy? The incredible hours, the crowded schedule and the heavy demands of my time are proof to myself and to all who will notice that I am important. If I go into a doctor's office and find there's no one waiting and I see through a half open door that the doctor is reading a book, I wonder if he's any good. Such experiences affect me. I live in a society in which crowded schedules and harassed conditions are evidence of importance. So I develop a crowded schedule and harassed conditions. When others notice, they acknowledge my significance and my vanity is fed. I am busy because I am lazy. I indolently let others decide what I will do instead of resolutely deciding myself. It was a favorite theme of C.S. Lewis that only lazy people work hard. 
but lazily abdicating the essential work of deciding and directing, establishing values and setting goals. Other people do it for us. So here's a question to consider. What is one step that you can take today to slow down and live more attentively to the voice of Jesus? So shall I say it again? Okay. What is one step that you can take today to slow down and live more attentively to the voice of Jesus? You might want to take some time, some point this week, and just consider that. So let me pray. Lord, grant me the grace to do one thing at a time today without rushing or hurrying. Help me to savour the sacred in all I do, be it large or small. By the Holy Spirit within me, empower me to pause today as I move from one activity to the next. In Jesus' name, amen.